0: Healing from emotional abuse isn't a Band-Aid situation, but it doesn't have to take years either. The lives of millions of other survivors around the world have been impacted by their narcissist. Yours doesn't have to. To show you how to live a free, confident, and peaceful life, your host and founder of the Healing from Emotional Abuse philosophy, Marissa F. Cohen.
1: Welcome back to Breaking Through Our Silence. Today, we have a really, really awesome crew of badass veteran women who started a grassroots organization fighting for military sexual assault and suicide prevention, but also awareness. Um, And I'm just really, really thrilled to have them here. Uh, So we're going to go around and introduce ourselves. I'm Marissa. I'm the host. You guys know me. Um, Pamela, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um,
2: My name is Pamela Heal, and I am an eight-year Navy combat veteran and military sexual trauma survivor. Um, When I I got out of the military, because I got to a point after being assaulted um, so many times, I I just realized, for me, the military wasn't safe. And um, when I got out, um, I kind of, like, Ran away from my problems for a long time. I had a great career working as a cosmetology educator um, And you know, then I got triggered by um, A student actually stalked me and it triggered the hell out of me because nobody believed me and That triggered me just just reminding me, you know, reminding me exactly of what I went through in the military and I realized I can't escape this and uh, I quit my job and I spent all of my money on drugs and um, went through a couple of suicide attempts, and you know, really, really um, went to the depths of my own pain. And when I started to pull myself out of it, go to therapy, um, get help, I part of my healing process began to talk about my story and talk about what had happened to me, and not just not just the actual trauma, but dealing with it for the rest of my life, what that's like, and why we need to make changes. Um, and you know that that advocacy eventually led me to this group of uh, other veteran women who um, got together uh, because we, you know, just got we're fed up. We're tired of these stories. We're tired of hearing about Vanessa Yen and Elder uh, and and all of all of our other brothers and sisters who have experienced sexual violence um, or sexual harassment in the military. It's just like enough is enough. Tired people dying. So, yeah,
1: that's who I am. Nice to meet you. Thank you for having us. Of course. Thank you for sharing. Okay, uh, Lucy, do you mind introducing yourself?
3: Hi, I'm uh, Lucy DelGaudio, um U.S. Army veteran, um, sexual assault survivor, um, got involved uh, in this fight by a, a mutual uh, women veteran that is in the space as well. And uh, it's been a ride, um, but a very, at times very, uh, with highs and, and times very low. Like right now, I feel like I'm in a low um, period. Um, it, it's been it's been a crazy ride. I, I think for me, um, what's been really triggering is A, um, my Latino commu- community is being really affected. Um, my black and brown community is being really affected. Um, you know, I, I at first tried to stay away from the Vanessa Guillen case because it was very triggering for me. But then a friend called me and uh, told me that he can't stop watching the news and not thinking like seeing her image and it reminded him of me. And that really just, you know, kind of made me take this deep dive. Um, But I am, I'm very honored to be amongst this group of women that I've been surrounded with because they have truly become sisters, um, and, and pillars for me. Um, because at times I'm, I feel alone, um, because a lot of my community here, like a lot of my friends, they don't understand what actually I went through and they can't talk the language. Like we talk the language when we're, in a room together, it's it's a fuel that um, sometimes we need, but it's also the support that we constantly need. And I think right now we have to be way more supportive than combative against each other, because you know how it is when you're working in the women's space that sometimes it's like a combat zone on within ourselves. But right now we really have to stand strong because of the time. It's just like, it's like not stopping it's like we can't hit stop or pause um and you know that's it so that's me
1: thank you for sharing and i'm really happy that you found a collective group of people who not only share what you know you went through but also share the mentality of this needs to be a supportive environment and not a combative environment i think that's so important for people so thank you um sherry do you mind introducing yourself I am probably, well not probably, I am the one
4: non-veteran in the group, um, but I am also a survivor of sexual assault, uh, sexual harassment, retaliation. I was a SARC for the United States Marine Corps. Um, I worked for the Behavioral Health Branch at Headquarters Marine Corps when I was sexually harassed the first time. I was told by my superiors not to report it, that not only would uh, my career be impacted, but my husband's career, who is a Marine Corps officer, uh, his career would be potentially ruined, is, was the gist of the conversation. I was told not to ring that bell. Um, when I, I received a promotion and then went to uh, the SAPR world, the sexual assault prevention response world, Um, where I was a SARC, and I stood up a a new billet in the Marine Corps where I oversaw a very geographically distant command. Um, I had over 5,000 Marines plus families. um, Let's see, over 600 locations. Um, So it was was a challenge. So every one of the Marines and sailors um, that walked through the door um, to any one of the, the SARCs that worked in my command or the Staff Victim Advocates. Um, I, I was responsible for that, for that Marine. Um, my commanding general and I worked very well together, um, a couple of them, <laughs> and I worked very well together. Uh, but I'm here because of what I went through. I, received, um, I was on the receiving end of sexual harassment by a Marine Corps officer. I was later retaliated against by a general officer. Um, as a federal employee, I had to fight in both worlds. I had to fight in the uh, Marine Corps justice world in the, under the UCMJ to have my offenders held accountable. But I also had to fight on the civilian side, and I say civilian side, I mean the federal EEO side because it's not civilian. Um, There are differences in those requirements and what you can do when you're a federal employee. Um, So I had to fight on both sides for justice and it gave me a depth of understanding that um, most civilians I would be pretty comfortable saying do not have an understanding of what our service members go through on a daily basis when they are a victim of this type of um, abuse, abuse of power, um, you name it, I've, I've I've probably been through it. No, I didn't wear the uniform but that doesn't mean I don't understand or that I didn't experience a lot of what these women did. The nexus for military sexual trauma is the military. Um, And that's, you know, that's what I'm here to to do is to share awareness and build awareness because there are a lot of uh, marginalized voices out there still to this day that have never spoken up about their trauma and to be honest, we haven't really thought of them up until this point, uh, or acknowledged that they are a part of this journey for justice that we are all on. I think collectively, this group of ladies has, um, this group has just has taken me in, and I appreciate that. We talk about being lonely. We are we are survivors. We are incredibly strong, but even. We have days like today where we are, um, we're struggling. I I think I told you before about um, the nightmares that I had last night. PTSD sucks when it's military sexual trauma related, when it's any type of trauma related. And we do feel alone. And I think that coming together, our voices um, are louder. And whatever we say may not resonate with one person, but collectively, I think our voices will, will continue to be heard more and more as we get louder and louder and really just fucking louder,
1: that's it. <laughs> I completely agree. You know, when you might not affect everybody, but you, if you affect one person and you teach one person that they're not alone, I think that that's the most important. And if everyone is speaking up, then everyone is going to be heard and relatable. Thank you so much for being here sherry uh lindsay would you mind introducing yourself
5: yeah totally um hi lindsay church here uh executive director and co-founder of minority veterans of america um i served in the navy from 2008 to 2012 i'm very 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 clear and served so in a dornest hotel um I am um, also the third generation military. My mom served in the Navy. My grandfather served in the Navy and some other folks served in the Air Force. So we don't talk about that. Um, <laughs> but I experienced sexual harassment when I was in the service. I was not sexually assaulted. Um, I barely put my sexual harassment together um, as, a, as a veteran that um, the system of Don't Ask, Don't Tell and the discriminatory practices that made it impossible for us to share what we were going through, um, made it really easy for people to harass and assault uh, LGBTQ service members. Um, I have been working in this space for, um, I think seven years, started with student veterans, now work with minority veterans. Um, See a lot of folks in our work um, that are military sexual trauma survivors. Um, Many of the most atrocious stories you'll ever hear are members of MBA. I'm really grateful and proud to be leading this community and and serving survivors of uh, so many things. And uh, got involved in this work uh, through mutual uh, a mutual colleague um, that I think many of us are connected to. Um, That you know when Vanessa Guillen was um, her body was discovered, she you know called a group of us together and said, "I I don't know what we're going to do and I don't know how we're going to do it, but I know that we can't stop. Like we have to we have to do something." this epidemic of sexual assault and harassment and violence um, is too much. It's too much for our community to continue to stand by and continue to let people serve or not let people, we don't let anybody serve, but to continue to endorse the military as a place that we belong and a place that can keep us safe and it's not. Um, And so, you know, what we're trying to accomplish is systemic change. We, we can't, I mean, even in the speeches that many of us, you know, started with that said Vanessa Guillen, you know, like we want, we want no more Vanessa Guillens. Well, guess what? There's more. There's already been more Vanessa Gian since Vanessa Guillen was murdered, and Vanessa Guillen was only murdered five months ago. Um, so, and you know, like the story of Elder Fernandez today is is another example of what the military does to uh, sexual trauma survivors. Um, so, yeah, uh, thank you for having us. I'm super grateful to be
1: here and and uh, have this conversation. So, thanks. Thank you so much for sharing all that. And um, what's the name of the organization, Military Veterans of America? Minority Veterans of America. Minority Veterans of America. Okay, awesome. Send me links and stuff to, like, your Instagram and social media so I can post it on the description. And fun, fun. of course, fun weird side note. um, I wrote a paper in 2010 about Don't Ask, Don't Tell and why it needed to be repealed um, that got me into a bunch of colleges. Well,
5: I, I thank you for, for doing that, because while we were serving, we didn't have any power to do anything to change it, much like the situation we're seeing now, like service members don't have a lot of control over the situation. They just have to endure it. And so uh, thank you for, for your work and, and the fact that you were fighting for
1: me when I didn't even know you. <laughs> well, I appreciate you fighting for me and I didn't know you. So, <laughs> Okay. And last but not least, uh, Aaron, would you mind introducing yourself?
6: Of course, my pleasure. My name is
1: Erin Kirk Cuomo. I am the co-founder
6: and director for an organization called Not In My Marine Corps. Um, Our primary mission is to advocate for um, military sexual assault and harassment survivors, but we also um, advocate for civilians who are also impacted by um, military members uh, assaulting and harassing them as well. So our organization Um, is pretty much there for not only Marines, but also um, Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, um, as well as any uh, civilians who have been impacted um, by military sexual trauma. Um, We primarily uh, came up in the D.C. area uh, during the Marines United um, nude photo scandal about five years ago. Um, where we were advocating for uh, changes to the UCMJ to hold um, non-consensual imagery offenders um, accountable under a specific clause in the UCMJ, um, as well as um, incorporating that into um, the Marine Corps as a page 11. Um, The Marine Corps decided to make all Marines sign a page 11 on social media behavior, which to this day still does not have an impact on how Marines treat, especially women and minorities on the internet and on social media platforms. Um, And most of the time when you see that, especially towards women and minorities, it incorporates some kind of verbal harassment, sexual assault talk or verbiage in their responses, um, as well as a lot of racist, language. So it's definitely something that we keep an eye on. um, And that's also how we were brought into this grassroots organization. Um, We had been uh, vocal while Vanessa was missing um, that the army needed to look further into the Charges her family brought that she had been harassed by her superior NCO and initially the army had indicated that they had no credible information that that could anyway tie into her disappearance. For us in this space. We absolutely know the alarm bells were ringing very loud and clear when we heard that and that we knew that that is going to be something that is a very large part in her disappearance. And you know to translate this now to Sergeant um, Fernandez, this is exactly how the military and the army specifically fails sexual assault and harassment um, survivors. He reported violent sexual contact, combative sexual contact, and was simply just moved Um, out of his command. It's not acceptable. This is not an acceptable way to handle sexual harassment and assault um, in this environment that leads to directly leads to retaliation, which I can guarantee you this sergeant experienced. So the army right now not only has Vanessa Guillen's death and murder on their hands, but they also have Sergeant Fernandez's. And I think that when you talk to all of us in this group, every single person that comes after it is a direct correlation to their failures and it is on their shoulders.
1: Thank you for sharing. Um, I completely agree with everything that you said. Yes. Applause. (laughs) Um, I completely agree with everything you said. The problem I see is that the army or the military in general is never held accountable. So we see it as it's on their hands and it's their responsibility to fix, but, um, they don't. So I would love if everyone would unmute. Can we foster a conversation about, um, about that, about the military isn't held accountable? Like what, what needs to change? What needs to be done? And what does your grassroots organization do to kind of break that silence and make them um, make them you know, speak for what they are allowing? Well, I
6: think we have to talk about the command investigation structure first. Yeah, we do. <laughs> go into this while commands <laughs> are investigating themselves. I just, it's, it blows my mind that people can't see that this is the issue. Like, it's, it's asking the police officer to investigate his partner.
2: <laughs> I'd love to offer an anecdotal uh, example as to why that, that there's such a problem. Um, my fifth assault, and I, I mentioned before I experienced six. Um, I was... E5 in the Navy. I had a a decent amount of experience. I knew how the UCMJ worked. I knew what my rights were. I was a cock in the Navy. I was assaulted by my chief. And when I reported it, the sharp advocate I was given was sleeping with him. (laughs) Uh, And they were, they were, they were both married to other people who were um, in, you know, obviously not there on deployment with us. So, um, that that's a standard story as a veteran, you know that one. Like people go on deployment and all, all hell breaks out loose. But the thing is, uh, there were a lot of levels, things that shouldn't have been happening. But um, th- they were both chiefs. The the woman who was my advocate was a chief, and um, they, you know, had the whole chiefs mess, which is a this is a Navy tradition. But anyone who's E seven or above, they kind of are in their own little fraternity. Um, of leadership and of friendship, and they really protect each other. And so um, immediately the entire chief's mess, as we call it, started uh, harassing me, started making my work harder. I was um, in charge of um, the the birthing spaces, and they had a surprise inspection of of our birthing and tore it apart and told everyone that it was my fault because the place wasn't clean, which just doesn't make any sense. But it was just like, uh, the idea was to just, trash my name as much as possible. And also, you know, silence the story, which is exactly what happened. I got real, real tired of fighting for myself and I just got really quiet and decided to get out. Um, but, you know, I didn't get any justice there at all. In fact, I got so much retaliation um, that it, it silenced me and that chief was, a, you know, he was able to retire. And, um, you know, now he gets a pension from the military and he's a sex offender, nobody cares. And there's
6: cares. no registry. There's no registry for military sex offenders. And for the most part, they, when they do get out of the military, they are not reported to civilian sex offender registries. So I want to I bring up a case that actually just came out about a week ago. It's from the Air Force. It's a master, senior master sergeant that was selected. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I am terrible with Air Force ranks. I was a Marine. <laughs> <laughs> senior Master Sergeant Jeremy Zire sexually assaulted a co-worker, and you want to know what his punishment was? He was selected for E9. His punishment was his line number was removed, so he's not going to get the promotion to E9. He's not going to jail. He's not being demoted, and he is going to be given the um, opportunity to get promoted again and finish out his career and retire. Um, so his, his survivor says, this week, my assaulter, Senior Master Sergeant Jeremy M. Zire, was found guilty in a military court for abusive sexual contact and dereliction of duty. I would like you all, family and friends, to read my impact statement, and I will provide that link to you. This is a sham. This is a prime example of how military handling sexual assault and harassment is a complete and utter sham,
5: mm-hmm.
6: and it's infuriating.
5: Well, I mean, like, you're also talking about, like, the sex offender registry. I mean, it's, uh, anybody will probably tell you it's an extreme example. Jeffrey Dahmer um, was uh, released from the military because they didn't believe that he would be a problem in the civilian world after assaulting, I think, was it six men um, in the military? Yeah, there's a a big article that came out that was, like, uh, talked about the six, six men speaking out that were assaulted. And then he went on to murder people, (laughs) like, but he was never transferred to any registry. He was just thought to believe, like, they believed that he just would be better in the civilian world. Like, no, that's not how this works. Um, And commands investigating themselves, like, imagine that you are, you get in trouble if your command is known to be one that has a lot of sexual harassment and assault problems. Well, if you have control over those numbers coming up, wouldn't you want to control them if it meant that your promotion would be? Eliminated if you were is found to be one of the like worst installations in the entire army. Yeah, you would probably try to limit those The military has proven time and time again, even when they even when they investigate themselves, they don't do so completely like when we went, so we there was a hearing on the, uh, at the for military personnel committee um, for the House Armed Services Committee, and they talked about uh, they had the they were talking about me, the era of Me Too Fort okay. Hood what happened there, and the Inspector General of the Army even admitted yeah. in the first time that they went to Fort Hood they they didn't even investigate Vanessa's unit. Well wait a second, like if we're talking about Vanessa Guillen and what happened to her, why would you not investigate her unit or even talk to them? It doesn't make any sense. So even when the Army like comes back with this report that says that that Fort Hood met its standards, were you actually going to look at all of Fort Hood in the place that was known to be the worst? So how do we, how are we supposed to believe that that the military actually does know how and will actually release the results without an independent investigation? So one of the things that um, advocates have been pushing for a long time as a military justice improvement act, which would change the way that reporting for sexual assault and harassment would would um, would have to be reported. So you would be given a third, uh, an independent, independent investigator, somebody who's not in the chain of command that doesn't have a like a, a say or a, like a. They're not going to be impacted by whether or not, like this, the, their, um, the command is investigated. You need somebody that's independent of the chain of command to be able to look into these cases. Otherwise, you're never going to know like what's actually happening. Um, and so someone they've been this for a long time.
6: and also someone who is experienced in investigating sexual harassment and assault. Right. We have people that are doing these investigations for the commands that have absolutely no idea what they're doing, have no idea how to conduct interviews. Mm-hmm. And are simply just doing this to try and move it along.
4: So let me let me add to that. It's very definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, having gone through four four separate investigations to finally get to the point where I am now, uh, the the first investigation was part of an IG conversation that was held and the IG inspector asked me, well, you know, you are on the fifth deck of the Marsh Building for the, with the Marine Corps at headquarters anymore. What do you have to bring to this discussion that would be of value? Okay, so all the people who said, hey, you need to speak to this person who has an experience, when you're investigating a persistent toxic environment, this is how you're going to start out that conversation. The second investigation, I was asked to go meet with a uh, a colonel in a building on uh, Marine Corps Base Quarticle that I was not familiar with. This colonel, who I did not know, I was not allowed to bring anybody with me either. Uh, this colonel, whom I did not know, took me into... the the bowels of a building walking me with him to talk about my sexual harassment and the retaliation through a building that I was not familiar with into a, a dark room alone with this man. Again, probably not the best way, but he is the one who got tasked to do the investigation. The third investigation, third, that I was a part of was for uh, another set of retaliation that I experienced by yet another supervisor. Um, And this one, I got assigned a captain who in the GS and and NAF, you're supposed to have uh, equivalent or higher do the investigation. Um, I outranked him by two grades. Technically he, came and had a conversation, but he brought an HR person with him, who then later, this is supposed to be a confidential conversation, right? This individual then, uh, the HR rep, took that information back to the HR office and discussed it. Also discussed it with agency counsel, who she was not cleared to discuss any of this information with. Then I had to go nuclear and go to the press in order to get an investigation. Uh, Ironically, that worked. I was able to eventually get um, the uh, commandant of the Marine Corps to open up, uh, agree to open up an investigation on uh, my sexual harassment on the offender. And I can tell you, the difference in that investigation was night and day the individual that they brought in was a trained attorney this was an individual who worked for the department of justice was a marine corps officer as a reservist and the quality of that conversation was like night and day it was truly an investigation and it started out as such i mean this first of all this individual came to me in my building because he acknowledge my safety concerns he asked first would you be comfortable meeting me elsewhere and i said no (laughs) i am only comfortable you know right now um in certain spaces and he said not a problem i will come to you would you like to have somebody with you for support you mean i can have some the questions that were asked the reason I bring this up is because you have to have a trained investigator, somebody who has served on both the defense and the prosecution, they know what they're doing. And the the way that they ask those questions, you can tell. And it was only then that my offender was then held to probably the, the least form of accountability that that could be. But... Eventually, it was determined that he would be forcibly retired. But he was forcibly retired at the same rank. Granted, he didn't pick up his promotion to lieutenant colonel, and he didn't get to take over a command full of our most vulnerable population of who for every branch of the service. So there is that, which I
3: feel pretty darn good about. I'm going to jump in because I'm I'm... You know, how about the ones that we never get justice? My chain of command didn't didn't give a fucking rat's ass. I went to them, I was 48 hours after my assault, I went to them, I told every single person in my chain command and all they did was question me and I was the bad guy. I was the reason that I got assaulted. So I did everything to get assaulted and I was ruining a man's career. Yep. that's and that's and that's where I get infuriated because again, you know, I hear your story, Sherry, I hear how you went through all these different steps and then you finally got someone in your chain of command that actually felt compassion for you. But you know what, there's plenty of us that they don't give a fuck what happens to us because all they're all they're in tuned is that you are trying to ruin someone's goddamn career and. I am to the point that we have to have that structure. We have to have that outside command. We have to have that safe place. Where we could say, I got ass- assaulted. Well, Lucy, we're going to start investigating everything because again, you know and in the last 45 days i keep on replaying that day and when i went in there when i was forcibly told to leave my room go to my get dressed go to your office and tell everybody what happened to you and then hearing are you sure are you sure are you sure and that pisses me the goddamn off and i can just imagine what this what elder what vanessa and vanessa didn't tell anybody but yet I told someone, Elder told someone, we told people, and nobody goddamn protected us. Nobody gave a fucking shit. And that's what's, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that, like, nobody gives a rat's ass, and I'm sorry that I'm getting so, like, fired up and so, like, you know, belligerent and so, like, you know, but I'm just tired of hearing that chain of commands are doing their own investigating. Someone needs to investigate that chain of command. At that point, what is going on? Like, Someone go in there and just wipe that slate clean because they are an issue. That whole base isn't a whole issue. They have problems. It's toxicity. It's toxic leadership that continues to plague our military time and time again. It's not just the army. It's every single branch, and we have to get rid of it. It's time and time again. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. It needs to stop. This can't go on anymore. And again, it's not you know i i you know i know there's people that talk about the latino community i know they talk about the black and browns it's a freaking problem get rid of that good old boys club let's get rid of them let's i'm tired i'm done that's it and i i've I've given my two cents why?
5: So keep in mind here, <laughs> Lucy is yeah. ready to burn the patriarchy today. Let's just name yeah. that. <laughs> happy it's to watch. Really important
2: <laughs> to remember that when you are in uniform, you you are um, you're told right away when you join, and you're told every day after that you are, you know, the, the property of the federal government. Your rights are, you don't really have them. And um, so when you're trying to advocate for yourself, it's nearly impossible to do that if you don't. You know, it's terrifying to say. Um, my chief assaulted me, or my, um, my my sergeant is harassing me, you're telling on your boss to your boss. You got to remember that, you know, commanding officers and people in power, they don't want reports saying that anyone in their command has been sexually harassed or, or assaulted. That's not a good look for them. So they're going to do everything in their power to silence people, but not because, and it's, it's unfortunate, but that's just – you know, there's a conflict of interest there because you've got, you've got someone who's just been victimized, who is, you're just terrified to, to talk about it anyway, right? You've got someone that's been victimized and then they, they want to get justice. If they have the guts to do it, which is a whole other, it's terrifying because again, they own you. So you're telling the system that hurt you, that owns you, that they hurt you. Just think about that real quick. Like, there's, you know, the system is not set up to encourage you to advocate for yourself in any kind of way. You don't have First Amendment rights. You can't speak to the media. You can't, you 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 can't leave
5: either. You can't can't go home. Like, there's no quitting your, there's no quitting your job and just walking away. Like, not that, like, that's an easy thing to do, but like, (laughs) two weeks notice. Like, I gotta go. Like, this (laughs) is a really toxic work environment. Here I go. It's like, oh shit. Well, my option is a felony. Or staying here in this bullshit. Like, of course, like, yeah, it's just a, it's an impossible situation. Right, right. They're
2: power to ruin your career if they want. Like, they your can whole their, life. Your life. It's not your just your career;
5: life. it's your whole life. Mm-hmm.
2: So, Sorry. I,
6: I want to make one point here because you know, throughout Sherry's story, you have to remember that Sherry was a high-level uh, GS worker, government service worker, an officer-level level civilian employee. She had to go to the Commandant of the Marine Corps while she was working at Headquarters Marine Corps to get any kind of justice. Imagine the people like Sergeant Fernandez and Vanessa Guillen and Pamela and Lucy and Lindsay and me being E-3s, E-4s or first lieutenants How do you think if if someone like Sherry, who practically works directly for the Commandant of the Marine Corps, can't get justice without close to four investigations, how is a little E3 Lance Corporal in the Marine Corps going to get any kind of justice? This this is not something that, that we can let go anymore because it is not working.
5: Well, and Erin, I know you know know statistics more than anybody. Like, um, isn't the highest rate of uh, folks that are sexually harassed and assaulted below the E grade of E4? Yes. 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 So when we talk about who's being most harmed by the system and who has the most access to power, you're looking at the people that are most harmed by the system with the least access to power. And when you talk about rape and sexual assault, I think that people... General public, I think, forgets that rape and sexual assault are not about sexual gratification. It's about dominance. It's about power, which is all what the military is designed around. And uh, which is a really sad thing when you think about like how our antiquated our military has become. That uh, we now we still in 2020 haven't realized that brute force isn't really the way. Um, and yet this is what our, our culture, our culture continues to perpetuate. And so you look at like, how do we abuse the most weak and vulnerable? We're going to abuse the E4s and E3s and we're going to abuse the people of color. We're going to abuse the people who are non, non-Native English speakers or, or that their families are not. When you look at the case of Vanessa Guillen and Elder, and Elder like the families or I I believe the elder's family is Portuguese speaking. Um, And so you're looking at like the most vulnerable both in the military and out of the military. So of course it's about power and dominance. And of course, we're gonna continue to pick these folks off and like, because also like the military thinks of the E3s and E4s as as if we're we're all in abundance. Like we can just get a new E3, we can get a new E4, we can't get a new E9, that's gonna be, that's gonna take a long time. But so we're expendable, we're fodder to the fire. Sorry, soapbox.
1: No, that was great. Absolutely true. Yeah,
5: I'm mad today. I'm really mad today.
6: Yeah, I think we're all really mad today. <laughs> you know, we through our whole grassroots movement, we've been screaming about this and saying not one more. And it's it's like every week there's one more. Um, every day, you know, we see somebody else is missing or somebody else is struggling to get justice for their assaults and. Every day we're seeing, you know, the perpetrators of these crimes continue in their jobs, continue with their rank, and continue to retire with absolutely nothing done to help hold them accountable. So yeah, damn straight we're freaking angry. We're really angry.
1: And we should be angry. And the problem is that anger is falling on deaf ears. I think it's not just anger, too.
2: it's, It's a whole other host of emotions. I mean, there are people that um you know that are in our group actually that are really 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 struggling right now because that it's so hard to speak and speak and speak i mean many of us have been doing this i mean aaron's been doing it for seven years you know this is not a new problem right and suddenly the media is giving it more attention which is like a bittersweet thing it's like thank you for finally listening but why the fuck are you now only now you're listening you know well and
5: also um, it's like it's it, in addition like that's a great thing and also like your your stories and like what everything y'all, all you're reading is like your abuse and trauma over and over in the news right. and so you're being re-traumatized every single time sorry let's just to add that yeah no it,
2: it that it's it's super triggering for that reason because i don't i don't I don't love i don't often go into the details and of of what ha- happened to me um like the actual details because it's so awful and it's not a space i want to live in forever and at the same time it's also true that these things have to be discussed over and over and over again until change happens and so because of that reason um all of us i think are really hurting if we're going to be t- truly honest Because. Um, you know, whether or not you can manage your triggers well, it depends on the day and the circumstances that that day brings you. But while you're dealing with that, I mean, we really all truly do as a group really embrace each other. And so when you see one of your, one of your people really, really hurting, that's really challenging too, because all you want to do is do better for your community. That's why we're doing this. It's not because it's super fun to talk about being raped because it's not. So having to have those conversations over and over and over again. Please listen to us. Please listen to us. Please listen to us. When are you going to make the changes that we are as survivors are telling you has to happen. It's, it's not a negotiable thing. Like it, these things have to happen so that people stop getting sexually assaulted. So people stop killing themselves or killing each other has
5: to happen. Like how many more people have to die? How many well, more? and the thing too is like what the what i what i would argue is like one of the most harmful things about what happens when the media takes hold is that it's all about only it only ever we only ever get to share stories we don't get to share solutions we don't get to say like this is the story which is a really important part of this but the more important part to sharing these stories is the solutions that come with it like why the fuck are you like asking me to like cut my wrists open and show you that I bleed red and you won't even listen to me about what I want to what I want to do you know like and so you see this perpetuation of harm in that like it's sensationalized and it's all about like you know what can I what kind of you know what's the most traumatic thing that you can pull out of your like weapon of arsenal like tools and you're like actually like the best thing that I can give you is the solution forward you know like you need to be willing to both hear the stories and get one get in the fight and two implement the solutions if you're in a position of power instead of just sitting here and writing i mean like writing stories is super important now we need to write the stories about what what we want and how we're going to change it what we're going to do about it and what the american public is willing to do and sacrifice in order to make these changes happen so the media has done great about like getting the story started Now it's not about the story, it's about the solution and how we're going to put pressure on the people that can implement these solutions to make these changes so that we can stop fucking working so hard for nothing.
6: Yep, I call it trauma porn.
5: Trauma porn, yeah. I call
6: it trauma porn because I cannot tell you how many times I get media inquiries um, asking me to find active duty survivors that are willing to tell their story. What? Do you (laughs) you know how...
2: Dangerous? Awful and dangerous
6: that is. Like I, I can't. I, I sometimes, you know, I, I I am a public affairs person at heart, so I do try to explain the consequences of MST, uh, military sexual trauma, PTSD related to MST, and also what you can do to a survivor if you bring them out and put them on television without them having number one, gotten through their trauma to a point where they are healthy enough to do this. Second, that they have a support network because I guarantee you every single person that comes on and does this is immediately gonna go and be triggered
1: afterwards. Yep. Ordering. And, and terrified probably- It's going to happen to them. Yeah. yeah. And Ter- retaliated against when they're done. Correct. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's a, yeah, keep going, sorry.
6: No, it's just, it's, it's really frustrating that we can't get past, as Lindsay said, yes, all of these stories are important to show the pervasive nature of harassment and assault in the military, but we have to push through this. We have to push to what kind of legislation can we push, what kind of legislation do we need, who's going to support us in this, in the House and the Senate, who is going to be there, you know, on those flagstones in front of the Capitol building with us saying this has to stop. So, you know, and I really think that's what's important about this grassroots organization is you can see that we all don't belong to the same advocacy organization. Some of us don't even belong to an organization, but we are all all so fed up with this that we've come together and have said, you know, enough is enough. And I think that when we had our um, day in DC, um, you, you saw that through the press conference as well. We had reps that formally, you know, who were in the military, who did not support taking investigations out of the chain of command, who did a complete 180 and stood there beside us that that morning and said, we were wrong and we are going to do what's right to make this better. So, you know, this, this is a bipartisan issue. This is not a partisan t- talking point. Mm. Military sexual assault... And the trauma and PTSD that results in that, including the murders and the um, suicides, is a problem that every single party, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Green Party, I don't care who you are. This is something that everybody needs to be invested in.
3: But this is also a huge educational factor right now. We have to educate people of what actually takes place in the military what actually takes place culturally, um, figuratively when it comes to being in the inside pocket of the military, but also once you get outside in, in, the, in the veteran organization scape and what takes place, mm-hmm. because people need to realize that not every single veteran organization is there for the veteran. So not, every per- not every person that says they're helping a veteran is actually helping a veteran. And some people are in there for the wrong reasons. Like right now, I'm reading my phone right now. Someone sent me something that totally infuriated me. So now Lucy's back on her soapbox because I'm on fire right now. (laughs) So I'm tired of people that say they're actually doing something structurally and not doing something structurally. You know what I mean? I don't have time for you to say that you're helping me when all you want is that highlight. I'm tired of that bullshit. You know what I mean? If you're going to do the job, you better do it right. And I want to see a freaking result, okay? And in the Latino space, we tend to be like, oh, you put doctor in front of the name, you're going to respect the person if it's a doctor. And if you put Esquire in the back of the name, you're going to respect them because they have Esquire in the back of the name. You got to stop that philosophy. You got to see who's actually proven their point and have done their due diligence and is really helping people. And again, the mindset of military sexual trauma is completely different you know all of us have different ways of of how we're feeling and how we treat um, what's going on so again education is key so you know the legislative side of how things are taking place of how it factors into the person the human being because some of these questions like like media ask and some of the questions just just in the general public ask it's like dude like don't ask me that question do you realize what you just asked a survivor And that is really something that needs, like, the public needs to be educated on what actually takes place, how the culture works, and how we could stop it. Because our biggest allies are the public that are reading these New York Times articles, that are reading, that are watching NBC and ABC News. They are the ally that we need and get them up to speed, and maybe we can make a difference.
4: I think it's... Um, important to note that the policies and procedures that they've got in place, they simply don't work. When you have to report your sexual assault, your sexual harassment to someone um, within your chain of command, that doesn't doesn't work. And the reason that I mention every, not every step, because clearly there's a lot more to it, but the steps that I went through, the steps that I had to take even to get to what little bit of um, accountability i'm not going to call it justice anymore because it was accountability that should have happened but we have to force them to get to that point we have these we have the ucmj we have these laws and these policies and procedures in place but they simply they don't follow them and every single time that they can find a loophole to benefit the offender, they're going to do it. They don't ever use any loopholes to benefit the victim, ever. I've not heard one victim step forward and say, well, you know, they kind of skirted through this for me. No, it's always for the offender. And I think that we need to, by removing, by forcing accountability, they ask how we want to fix this shit, accountability. Start holding people accountable, remove the commanders from the investigatory process. You know, we have these laws in place, let's let's use them. Let's add the sex offender registry. Let's make sure that our victims are taken care of, that they receive the support services that they need. Discretion is another thing, the use of discretion. So (laughs) it drives me bonkers to think about that an investigation can happen but then the senior person can say, well, I'm going to use my discretion and we're just going to give you a little slap on the wrist. Even though you should have been charged under the UCMJ for under any number of articles, but they still they use that discretion. That discretion is the good old boys club at work right there because what they're doing is they're protecting the retirement and the, the
2: pay for that airman, sailor, Marine, Aaron was mentioning before, um, you know, the the E eight gentleman, if we want to call him that. I like to say gentleman, ironically, um, when we're talking about gentlemen like this, um, who, you know, he was he was kept in and he just didn't get promoted and that kind of thing. I think an important point that's been made previously in spaces that we've shared together is you know if you do drugs in the military and you're caught they have a zero tolerance policy you are out of there doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter if you're if you pop for anything you're out um it's bonkers absolutely just wild insane to me that we do not have that same policy for sex offenders because that's what we're talking about here we are talking about people who are enabled to be sex offenders Um, continuously, because if you do it once, it's not the only time, okay? So you're repeatedly doing this as a leader in the military, and and getting paid with taxpayer money for the rest of your life if you retire, and you're a sex offender, and nobody cares, Uh, as long as you're not doing drugs. That's the message that we're sending to people in the military. Every time that someone gets off from being in
5: any kind of trouble for this, it's like, well, at least you doing drugs like you, well, you should stop that but it's fine it's interesting that you say that because like you know like the zero tolerance policy became a big deal when i was in, in the service like 2008 2012 the navy's like right spirit program or like right spirit right time you know like whatever it is um and that was like a big deal because like they didn't want you know underage drinking and like drinking and driving and all of those things and they were so like adamant about it i mean I watched public like captain's mass of like one E4 that like got a DUI. Okay. Military is big on discipline. The military is big on rule enforcement. Well, why the fuck is why if a, if a commander is so intent on making sure that all of their service members or their like soldiers, sailors, Airmen, Marines, Coasties are doing their, they're doing what they're supposed to. Why are they letting this go? this is a discipline problem. And you should be like, I would be pissed if I was, if I was leading troops, if I was leaving service members, like, why would you think that like, you have a pervasive issue with sexual assault, harassment and and sexual violence in the military, but, and it's a discipline problem and they're not listening to you. Like, why are you not taking greater like anger in that? I I mean, I I don't understand that part. It's literally embedded in the
2: culture that victimizing people is to be celebrated. And the only way that you change culture is you change policy. That is a fact. So, yeah, these, this, this culture hurts and hurts to think about it. It hurts to think about the leadership that just has failed us so many times. Um, they aren't going to be held accountable until a policy holds them accountable, and that is how you change the culture.
6: Well, keep in mind just in the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps still segregates enlisted women from enlisted men
2: in boot camp. That doesn't happen in the Navy. I was in a co-ed integrated boot camp in two thousand six.
3: I was. I I went through basic by my by just women, that's and that's the way it the Marine was. Marine Corps is
6: the last service that still segregates by gender.
2: It makes sense. Now, now, please tell me how that isn't othering. Yeah, a
6: whole group of of people and and show well, it also shows they they are so you, are less
5: less
1: than well, it's the other
5: part fired. of it is that like the military is saying in that instance that like in and, and you know if this is an issue of sexual assault harassment and, and violence what they're saying is that the only way that we can control our our marines especially male marines is that we have to take the women away because they can't control themselves. That
1: goes That's back to a really to-
5: bad message.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this is, I mean, related, but unrelated. This goes back to like in high school when girls aren't allowed to wear certain shirts because it could distract the men's learning. So why are right. we, why is that still like embedded in, in our culture, civilian and military? That's so stupid. Well, why am I so glad actually
5: in a, in a lot of ways, because I mean, so like there might be a few fewer women that are going to be sexually harassed and assaulted. Like I'm, there's a part of me that's also like the serve, like the, the person in me that's very protective, especially of women because they're more likely to be assaulted by prevalence that there's like maybe just a chance that a few fewer are getting harassed and assaulted because they're separated. Like, there's a I small did part of me that's actually kind of happy about that and also pissed yeah. at the same time and confused and conflicted. And I, mean, complex. I think
2: about like, when I went to boot camp, like, they all, you know, they don't know your name yet, right? You don't have name tapes on yet. So, every, it's all female, female. Oh, no. I remember getting into an argument actually my very first day at boot camp because I was like, you know, I don't really appreciate the way that you're calling me female. This is day one of boot camp. I got PT'd so hard for that. But, I mean, I mean, why can I see you, that happening? I've always been know, knowing you. Can <laughs> that's, the, that's the rest oh, yeah. of your career, right? You're, you're judged on your gender, the rest of your, it's, it's, it's but so much like, just, where you right. walk into a room and you know, everyone's looking at you because you're a woman. Yeah. yeah, I did a
3: two-week two TDY when I was um, during Desert Storm in Kuwait. And they told us we had to do PT. It was only two, female, was two females in, the whole, um, in this TDY um, platoon. And um, they basically told me that I had to wear sweats. And I'm like, why the hell am I going to wear sweats? It's like sweltering out there. And they go, because we don't want the men to look at you. And I'm like, uh, okay, so um, yeah. I have to sweat off my, you know, my, my tits for this, you know, because you don't want them to look at me a certain way. And that totally pissed me off. So I went out there anyway, and I put on my shorts, my gray shorts, my gray army shirt, and I went out there and I, you know, and I wasn't going to let them st- tell me to pair, wear a pair of sweats. And I go, look, I'm sorry. If you guys want to look at me this way, because you can't control yourself, that's your issue. That's not my issue. Cause I'm standing here in the same heat that you're standing. And I'm not going to be here in a pair of sweats, whether you like this or not. And I, I had to like fight them for two weeks, for two weeks of like, lose, you know, private Shania, make sure you wear your sweats. No, I'm not going to wear my sweats. You know, private janea remember to wear your sweats no i'm not gonna wear my sweats and when i got back to germany they're like private Chinea, were you belligerent of course i was belligerent it's fucking hot out there they want me to wear fucking sweats are you fucking kidding me like no i don't have time for this bullshit you know what i mean so that's the thing like i i'm i'm sorry that i'm you know i'm latina and i'm somewhat sexual like i i can't that that's that's the way i was made i can't make that change but i can tell people like don't look at me that way because i am your sister I, am your sister in arms and you're supposed to respect me. It's a brotherhood. It's a sisterhood. You're supposed to respect me regardless of what I look like. So that was something that really like, I I always look back at that. Like, should I have been less of a sexual human being or not as like, like they, they kind of like desexualize you, but also sexualize you in, in, in some composure and again i always look back at that because again you know i i I, i'm not shaped the way a lot of you know these pt shorts are made to be looked on you know and they they ride us and the way our pants look or the way the shirts are you know they don't make them for us you know they don't make it with the curvy woman in mind you know they make it for a straight guy you know to you know just to wear it that way so it's like i can't i couldn't make that change you know so that when i talk when they talk about these things it's like Okay, so what are you going to do about it,
1: Erin? Yeah. So I saw that you said in the chat that you were denied flame retardant operational gear because it would show too much of your curves. Can you can you talk about that? Because I'm yeah. so curious.
6: So I've, obviously, I was public affairs. Uh, I was a combat photographer, so I was outside the wire pretty much every day um, with you know the grunts, with uh, military police officers, covering pretty much anything and everything. It was 2000 and, Seven, and we had just gotten the new um, desert flame retardant retort- operational gear frogs, and you—the order came out from the commanding general. Everybody, if you're leaving the wire, you have to have this on. Um, so I went to pick up my gear, and I was denied it by the E eight in uh, SpO or wherever. Hi. And yeah. So he said, "No, you, the, we're not issuing these to women." I said, "Why? I, I have to go outside the I have to go outside the wire tomorrow. I have to have this." And he goes, "Nope." We I don't care go. if you
2: burn, you have tits. We don't care if you burn. Yeah.
6: So not only did I have to go and they had to run it up the chain of command because I was the only photographer, so I had to go. <laughs> they had the, practically, the commanding general's aide had to call him and say, you will issue this gear to this lance corporal. Went back, picked it up begrudgingly, went back, but get this. While all the other men, as soon as we would get back from missions after being sweaty, disgusting, hungry, they got to go to the chow hall and take their flax off and go eat. I had to go to my tent and put regular camis back on so I didn't distract all of the Marines in the chow hall with my tits in my frog. So this is, a, this is what we talk about when we talk about a culture
2: issue. Yeah, um, it doesn't surprise any of us. We're all nodding our heads like, yep, yeah, yeah, I have a similar story in the back of my mind. Yep, of course, but, like but our bodies are weaponized against that. It's fucking coming down
6: to my safety. Like you yeah. are not going to give me a piece of gear that will save potentially save my life if I get blown up because I have tits. Mm-hmm. That's what you're telling me, master guns, right? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but like, as an E3, I stood there and yes. I, like, fuck yes. You.
3: Lindsay is rolling the
5: eyes. <laughs> she sorry, is rolling I said the eyes. eyes. I was, I was yeah, actually, I'm, I'm, like, I was actually not shaking interloc- my head and rolling my eyes. <laughs> Yeah. it's just because too I,
2: relatable it's painful yeah. how relatable that story is
5: you know mm-hmm. tired of
2: our bodies being weaponized against us and knowing that it's still happening because people are still dying
5: do you know how many mm-hmm. like i the whole military is like you get to be three one of three things what yep. is it a, a, a slut or a whore or a dyke or a dyke I mean, oh yeah, one yeah. Dyke. i always right. i it, got that but, one <laughs> but like, but that was me, I you know you know, know that and that and, 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 and that's and and you're
3: talking about that, and that's very interesting because one of the things, like when I, before I, I went to school first, before I went into the military, because my, da- my dad passed away, so that's prompted um, me to go to the military, but before I, uh, my dad passed away, I, I considered the military because both of my brothers were in it, and I remember having this conversation with my dad, and I'm like, dad, you know, I'm thinking maybe possibly going into the military, no, what are you, a dyke? And I'm like, dad like really and and that's the like some latino culture it's like oh well you're either going to school and become the artist that you you want to be or you're going to go to the military because you're telling me you're a dyke and i'm like like is that the philosophy that you're really so even that's the spectrum. Either artist, or Dyke. So I was like, okay, I guess now. That's your I, remember, I remember actually when I left and I was with my brother, because my brother was my, um, my recruiter, and we, I'm about to get on the um, bus to go to JFK to leave to uh, Fort Jackson, and he goes to me, bye Dyke, and I go, bye, brother. And it, it was just a way. That was the way we, you know, we understood it. Because my, again, my dad in the Latino culture, that's his perception of women in the military was that his daughter, if she joined the military, is because he was, she was telling her she was a dyke, and I was like, okay, so there you go. So mm-hmm. it, it, even in the in, when you're in the military, again, you're either a slut. You're a dyke, you're a whore, you're, you know, I was called a tramp. I was called a puta. I was called, I can give you a slother. Yes. My, my, My favorite, my favorite one was, I was called a spear chucker now that was my favorite one hey here comes the spear trucker and i'm looking at them like uh spear trucker and i'm like uh what is that they're like aren't you sort of sort of indian i'm like are you serious wow so so i was like so i was the spear trucker so yeah i throw spears so um that was that was basically it so i i was called friend, everything
2: I think my favorite one was, I mean, when I was, I was married for a long t- most of the time I was in the service, and my married name was Von Friesen, and I was such a bitch, and so, um, you know, people started calling me Von Frozen, because I was so cold, and I was so happy that men that I worked with found me to be cold and frozen because that's what i wanted them to i mean i still had to deal with their bullshit but like yeah fuck you you know i you it does it hard you you have to pick a lane like are you going to be a hardened frozen um i will fucking ruin you in your sleep if you ever cross me type of chick or are you going to be someone who is an apologist and an enabler of that culture um which a lot of women actually do choose that because it's easier for them um pick me, pick me. Yeah, it's it's easier for it's easier to support to support a misogynistic culture that has operated for, you know, a long time. It's it's easier to do that because in some ways I think it it probably feels safer for them even though they're still um you know hurting themselves in their own way. That's uh, yeah, you have to pick a lane. You do. So I was one frozen. <laughs>
1: it's like they think that being part of the boys club protects them from the boys club but really it's just kind of planting you in the middle of that culture and as soon as you speak out against it that's when it comes and bites you in the ass right absolutely for those that that unfortunately
4: take that take that route and then become a victim themselves because somebody didn't you know didn't take no for no then they very quickly learn once you're on the outside of that boys club what the process and and what the pain is really really like for these very strong women who go through this
1: so what kind of i know that we we covered a little bit about like what needs to be changed but do you guys as the grassroots organization who have all had your actual life um altered by these situations. Do you have any recommendations or ideas for solutions?
6: Yeah, I think what we've been talking about over the last hour, I mean, is a good start. Uh, Remove commands from the investigations, develop a military sexual predator registry, um, ask Congress to add sexual harassment to the Title X. Um, You know, all of these things are, are things that we all at the grassroots organization support. Um, not to mention there needs to be a huge review of all these cases of women who have and men who have turned up dead that are listed as suicides because I'm not it's not passing my radar here so you know when we talk about these things you know MJIA um, these are things that should have been done years ago that haven't
3: remember the stop Remember when Spears in 2013 tried to um, put in the stop law, and I almost talked about that during my testimony because stop was like the first initiation of like um, some sort of difference in code when it came to sexual trauma, sexual harassment, and I was really for stop. And um, and you know um, when I was doing the testimony, I I kind of almost thought thought about like that, that stop mentality was something that I think we should revisit also because it really had some very valid points. When it came to it, but again, like, you know, we, the, the whole factor is what we've been talking about. All that, all that change has to take place. You know, just the the conversation we've been having, we've all experienced layers of different multitude of harassment and sexual assault, and it's just tiring. But again, making those changes that third party, like, Um, that investigating process is something that's so vital and so needed and um and again just making making awareness of the that that the change needs to take place and getting people to jump on board it's like again we're tired we you're seeing that it's, it's a really problematic issue and um we just have to really try to change the game
1: i like that um and I definitely think that getting Congress members involved is a huge part of that, because truly that's the only thing aside from the president that's above the military, which is really unfortunate.
6: They've shown um, they're not going to fix
1: themselves. Right. Well, why would they if they don't have to and they don't want to be held accountable anyways? I mean, going back to what we said before, you know, their their pension and their promotion, everything is based on their numbers. So if they have a higher rate of sexual assault at their at their installation or their base, why would, they, why would they impact their own lives to help other people? It doesn't make sense for them. For me and for us, it, all, it makes sense because you want to you know, make the change and make the military safe for everyone. But I guess from where they're sitting, it doesn't look like that, right?
3: The lens definitely needs to be cleaned. Yeah, in the sense from the from the civilian eye that they have to see like, again, we we watched the lens during the Me Too movement. There was a different lens. And now you have to wipe off those glasses and look at the lens from the military end of what actually takes place. Because remember, women, we 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 raise our right hand and we go in there and we protect to serve and nobody's protecting us and we again if we are protecting you then you know what as a civilian you have your due diligence to learn how you could change the culture for the people that are protecting you and um to me that's a big um i always say again i think sometimes our biggest allies are within ourselves but the outside nature the civilian party they really need to know how they could also help us as well
2: I think the biggest thing that the, the best thing about this summer, the, on, the only positive is that we do get to people are listening. Um, even though, you know, the cost has been great, but people are listening. And I think the one thing that I probably, the last thing I have to say about any of this today is, um, you know, you, I really encourage and implore civilians to really listen to veterans and service members because th- there are a lot of civilians that are suddenly interested in helping us. Uh, you'll see a lot of civilians that are um, saying that they're fighting for survivors and they're fighting for veterans and they're fighting for service members, but um, how close are they to veterans? Because we've lived this and we, we know what we're talking about. Uh, we, we know what this world is like um, and, Sherry, I, I don't mean you. You've survived something within the military. That's a separate conversation. I'm talking about folks that call themselves advocates, and maybe they aren't. Um, right. I just implore I, I implore civilians to listen to, to veterans who have survived these horrors because we, we really – uh, this isn't a new trend for us. This is our life. We've we've lived it, so it's important to give us us the space to really tell you what we need and tell you what, what this isn't up for debate. Like this is how it is, and this is how it needs to change. And um, if 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 you haven't survived and lived that, it, your opinion is just it's just an
6: opinion. Yeah, and I got I got to jump in on that because yes, it's so it I, it drives me crazy when I see all of these people doing 22 till none you know i got your six um all of these kinds of things that are geared specifically towards men with ptsd um (laughs) that where sexual assault and harassment and mst survivors that have ptsd potentially on top of combat ptsd are having to deal with but you guys you know it it drives me crazy because i don't see any of you guys talking about this issue but you're 22 till none i got your six right you can you know, it, it really is frustrating. It's really infuriating that we, as survivors and and women and men who suffer greatly with PTSD and MST, are completely left out of that conversation. So, Wounded mm-hmm. Warrior Project, I'm calling you out. Where are you at?
3: Woo! Y- yeah. <laughs> there you know. Yeah. Again, you know, we're, we we're like the invisible disability in that sense. So people go, Oh, what's your disability? And I'm like, I have PTSD. Oh, really? You call that a, a disability? Um, yeah, because I goddamn struggle every goddamn single day. You know what I mean? And, um, a, a lot of organizations again, like, um, you know, the wounded warriors and different organizations, they don't see that correlation. Um, I, I, I had a back out. Of uh, I uh, I'll I, I I'm not gonna I don't want to say team red white and blue let's use them they're they're a great example of how crappy they are um, because um, I wasn't the veteran I wasn't the mold of the veteran that they wanted the imagery of so I was a 279 pound captain. And again, I, you know, when I was holding the flag, they were looking at the weight, they weren't looking at me, Lucy the veteran holding the flag. But the minute I decided to lose the weight because I became healthy and I took my I took my health very into consideration and I dropped 112 pounds and decided to go holistic with my PTSD, then Lucy was the swelped captain holding a flag and they wanted Lucy for that imagery. So you know what? you, because I'm not going to let that happen anymore. And that can happen. But I, what I say is like when uh, the way we operate, the way with Pam, the way with Aaron, we are here to support each other. There's nothing better than someone that knows what happened to support each other. So if you have questions about what's really going on, come to a survivor. We'll tell you, we'll tell you how. And when and and where and what you could do for us? Because trust me, I I love it when someone goes to me. Hey, Lucy, could you just talk to me? Walk walk me through this, and I'll walk you through it. But don't make these assumptions that because you read something on a veteran service organization and hey, do twenty two push ups because that's going to make me feel better. No, I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: sorry, I agree with oh, you. The push up no. thing is weird. It's weird. What? How are you helping? <laughs> Like I'm happy dude, for your like, steps, bro. But what? Like, like, you know, like I, I, I look
3: at, I, I, look at, um, I look at my face, like Facebook thread, and I see like a civilian women. I swam three miles, and <laughs> I did that to, to, to help those who are in pain from serving in the military. What? No, you didn't. <laughs> you swam three miles because you're a lunatic, and you have no other choice but to run the three miles. You're not helping me. How did that affect me? No, that didn't help me. And that's the thing. Like, again, I hate that, like, ooh, look, you know, she's, you know, they're posing there with their guns out. I just swam three miles. I just swam three miles. But again, (laughs) that didn't help me. That didn't do anything for me. Again, I... I I feel I'm not feeling your pain because I didn't run the three miles I didn't swim the three miles for you you know I do my runs I hashtag things that's my self gratification but I'm not going to tell others hey run three miles with me because it's going to make you feel better no half the people that are in my pack they don't like if I took Pam for a three mile run she'll Probably pass out in mile one. You know okay. what I mean? Hey, so okay. there you go. Okay. <laughs> but I'm just saying. I'm just saying.
2: But that's I resent again, those how are... right you are.
3: <laughs> but the, but that again that mentality of like like let's drop and do 20 to make someone feel good. I, I don't get how is it
2: how is it saving death? I don't understand that. Like how how are you keeping people from killing themselves by doing some push ups? I'm sorry. When I work out, I don't think that I'm saving anyone's life. Like I just I don't understand that and how that is okay, th- then you check the box today and you're 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 doing you're making the world a better place by doing some push-ups. I don't get it. Yeah, okay. they can't they can't take
6: 5 minutes to call their representatives.
2: Sign the exactly, fuck Exactly. Exactly.
3: <laughs> the the the, the, time, exactly. the the span of time you took for that 3-mile swim. Yeah. You could have taken and sat on the phone and called Gillibrand and called Cory Booker and called everybody and said, Hey, could you help a veteran by doing this, this, and that? Hey, Instead of saying, Oh,
2: like,
3: how about that? Go. Go like, have you heard what's happening? And, and Hey, let's talk about that. Instead of saying, Oh, I'm going to run and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do drop and then post it on social media. And Oh my God, you did good for a veteran. You know? No.
1: It doesn't work that way
3: you know what i mean it just doesn't work that way
1: it's i'm sorry i
3: mean, like you, you, you got service. me
2: you got me in. you got me in a good day today because i'm so like <laughs> well i you know people often say and i'm sure you guys all have heard this too like thank you for your service it kind of it's a ho- it's this hollow thing for me when i hear people say that like yeah. what do you want me to say in return you're you're welcome um you're like th- and they say it with this like oh and by the way Thank you for your service. You're and welcome like, for my trauma. <laughs> yeah, it's like I want to be like, okay, um, you're welcome. Can you sign this petition? Um, would you could you follow these accounts, please, and educate yourself a little bit more? I mean, that but y- you just kind of shrug and go. And I feel like I should have. I feel like
3: I should have glitter in my pocket. Like, boo, like thank you. <laughs> <Boo."> <laughs>
2: You're welcome, sweetheart. Like I'm here for you. Here you go. Like,
3: like Lucy, look what I just did. And I'm supposed to be like, hey, thank you. Like, thank you for your support. Only if it's red, white,
4: and blue, Lucy. Oh.
3: Yeah, yeah, there you red, go. White, and
1: blue.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Like I sit there and I'm like, Mmm. Like I just can't. I I, I again I, I know that people are gonna listen to this and I'm gonna see like unfriends unfriend. <laughs> He's a psycho. Who cares?
4: Let's go. <laughs>
3: you know what I mean? I, I, I already, you know, uh, between mine and Erin's um, whack posts, <laughs> I've lost There's like stores in this house. I, yeah, There's I've lost my, wa- my waffles and pancakes. I've lost um, tons of friends um, on that respect, you know, but, you know, but again, I, th- there has to be this realization that yeah i know people want to do good but there's other ways you could do good when it comes to this what we're what we're fighting for well,
2: ask a veteran what they need how about that instead of telling us yes, what we need yes. ask us like what we need cuz we can yeah, tell let, you the answer yeah let's
3: let's talk about veteran homelessness let's talk about the lack of um, medical attention let's talk about the needs of mst clients that they're let's not getting talk about the proper care
6: failing mst survivors
3: yeah and uh, how and, and how and how we get harassed in the military, yeah, and yeah. then we get harassed That's in the, the VA. VA. Yeah. Like, you know, I I walked into the VA in East Orange, New Jersey, and I was waiting for a group of people. We were going to have a meeting with the director of the VA and I'm standing there, you know, I I came from work. So I was pretty like, you know, business attire. And this older veteran, you know, he had his hat on all his, you know, glory to be God. You know, I'm the veteran. And he goes to me, hey, sweetheart, he goes, why don't you come sit on my lap? I'll tell you some stories. I went up really close to him right in his ear and I said look MF, I go, I'll sit on your lap and I'm gonna tell you some stories and you're not gonna freaking like them. And I I said it more colorful than that. But it's like they automatically assume that I'm there for other reasons. I'm like, "I'm I'm a veteran too. You know what I mean? Don't talk to me that way. Don't disrespect me that way. So again, we have to deal with that afterwards. And, you know, and, and again, the assault that has taken place at the VA, but again, the lack of gender of, of specific healthcare, the lack of, I mean, in New Jersey, we don't even have a mammogram machine. We have 27,000 female veterans and not one mammogram machine so those are the issues again we have transition housing we have to, again we have a plight of transitioning and homeless veterans and we only have eight beds if you transition you're a woman and god forbid you have a child because then you have none and we have to put you in a homeless shelter those are other things that people don't realize it's, it's a gamut of issues when it comes to the women's fight and, and again male. it I
6: all talk about male suicide numbers but look at the female, the women's suicide numbers per capita are
2: even yeah. larger than what the males they're, are. They're,
6: so
3: they're we, higher. We
2: and, and, about and, my differ- suicides. and make no mistake least. about it. Everyone that we work with has had to face challenges like that. This isn't like a faceless issue, I've been homeless, I've tried to kill myself twice, I've had to be, I've had to go into treatment and I've had to go into the VA to get my care and I've had, I've had dick pics airdrop to my phone at the VA. I had a guy, another veteran tell me he would fuck the sadness right off of my face, okay? I've, there was an older uh, male veteran who was in line in behind me at Starbucks at the VA one time who pushed me and then when I yelled at him, I was the problem. Right. wait there's a
3: starbucks in the va what's in that san all about
2: there is yeah oh yeah in san francisco there is west coast baby it's the best coast i don't even know if that's really the way <laughs> i that. but anyway um yeah i mean the ex- re- retaliation and re-victimization is so much a problem for women veterans as mst survivors as people we-, we just are uh naturally selected as the uh, benefactors of so much sexual harassment and um gendered um discrimination that it's almost like I, we're sitting here and i'm like oh yeah the va that's another part of the fight too i keep forgetting we can go, <laughs> we can go for another two hours on
6: that it, it's like there's
3: so <laughs> many there's so many
2: things that we've we that we um have to struggle with as a result of the traumas that we faced in uniform. It goes on for the rest of your life. I mean, these triggers are real. There are people, fellow advocates and fellow survivors and fellow veterans of mine that I'm genuinely concerned about today, right now, who are in this fight with me. Uh, And you know what, in a couple of days or a couple of months or a couple of years that that, those hats might change and they might be worried about me. This This is a fight for the rest of your life. This isn't something, this isn't baggage that we get to put down and sit down somewhere. It's something that happened to us that we will live with forever. And the people that we love and care about are experiencing the same thing. So it's wild that we have to keep telling people, listen to us because we're dying.
3: And some of us have learned how to play with our demons better than others. You know what I mean? I know that at times, I know Sherry must be like, I can't believe this is like, these women have been, (laughs) I love looking at Sherry's face because she's been like, so... uh <laughs> but, you know, I learned, I, I hid my demons for a very, very long time and they laid very dormant. And then when they started to creep on in. And I saw how bad I really was. I really had to learn how to, again, finesse them and work with them opposed to, to continue to struggle. And that's something that, again, it's difficult and we have to, it, it's a learning process. And some of us do it well. Some of us don't, you know, others are right in the middle and some of us just, it, it just fails us. And then we take turns that we don't want to take. And, um, um Again, we have to create these safe spaces in the military. We have to create safe spaces outside of the military, so we could function and we could live and we could grow um, because some of us have really grown and we 've really again had like the women that are here with me and Lindsay, we really have grown and but, but but still there's once in a while like when i wake up and i'm back to that demon filled lucy that just doesn't know how to take my first step out of bed and those are the things that again it's a constant it's it's a constant day you don't know what the next day is going to bring so i kind of started this philosophy of like when i wake up I put my two feet, feet on the ground. I thank you know, whatever the higher being is that's going to, that got me up. I take my deep breath and I see what the day is going to lead me to. And that's the way I have to function because again, sometimes I've put my two feet on the ground and I'm like, crap, I have to deal with this nonsense again. And that's something that it's just an everyday constant cycle. And we just have to try to make it An even playing field, then we have to work at it and we have to work at it all together.
1: Thank you guys all so, so much for being here today. I mean, I learned so much and I'm so saddened to hear. I mean, It's not news to me that this happened but like to hear people's stories is still so heart wrenching and you guys are doing such an amazing thing by advocating for survivors and you know fighting for for safety for everyone I mean it's it's ridiculous that in 2020 we're still having this conversation, but it's a conversation that needs to be had and like I literally could not be more honored to be surrounded by you guys. And um, I'm really, really grateful that you came on the podcast today and wanted to talk about this and continue to fight for it. And I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Um, I know I have a bunch of um, the Instagram handles and Facebook links, but if there's anything else that you guys want to share or anything that you have that can help other people get involved in the fight and know what you need and ask for what you need and stop doing these like dumb push ups and ruck marches and I mean ruck marches are great but like swimming three miles for somebody else's sanity that doesn't make sense. You're right. But that's right now civilians like that's all we have. We're like grasping at straws to help. We we have no direction. So if you guys have insight and links to post and ways for us to get involved, like I know I wanna be involved. Yeah, like I'll challenge. Let's say this. I'll I'll challenge any
3: civilian to go onto the road with me next. I was supposed to do. I was supposed to do Chicago, New York City this year. So I'll take a civilian. Do the Chicago Marathon with me, do New York City with me, match the donation, and if you wanna help me, then run alongside me and be my buddy. That's how you should help a veteran. So if you wanna do that, you wanna take that challenge next year, 2021, I'm doing Chicago, I'm doing New York City, match the donation that I'm making to taps to the tragedy system program um, for survivors, match the donation that I'm making, run alongside me and then you'll help that veteran because you know what, you'll be supporting me. So I take up on anybody who's listening to this and wants to do that with me.
1: So I'm in because that's my, now that's my motivation. Um, I'm in we just have to stay in contact and if anyone else wants to join me and watch me cry after <laughs> running for more than I 10 feet like
2: <laughs> I got bad knees from the military man my knees are shot and I wish <laughs> I could run and that's why when, when Lucy said I'd probably pass out she was hella right like dude no I I'll dance that's my exercise but anyway uh, run with Lucy so I can sit at home and rest which I also deserve. Okay. Yeah that's <laughs> a hashtag. That's a hashtag right
4: there. Run <laughs> with Lucy from veterans.
3: veterans. Now again, again, if find a find a survivor that's using that run. For a, for a, 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 a survival tactic, that's what I do. That's part of my my mantra. That's part of what my daily life is, and I do my running. So again, if you want to do that, hey, I'll be more for it, and and run alongside me. Give me that support. Tell me that you're there for me. Not telling me that I'm doing something, and then who is it? Who are you benefiting? Who's the benefactor of that? And that's what I challenge you to do.
1: Thank you guys. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm so grateful that you were all here today and, and wanted to talk to me and I want to help in any way I can. And I'm sure a lot of other people that are listening do too. So um, I'll post all the links and everything that you guys send me. And don't forget for everyone listening to call your Congress people and advocate for survivors of military sexual trauma, because that's the most important thing thing is to change the policies and to make it safe for everyone. They're fighting for our freedom. So why are we not fighting for theirs? It just doesn't make sense. So thank you guys again. And I'm sure that we will all be talking again very soon. (laughs)
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, you have to check out www.MarissaFayCohen.com backslash private-coaching. That's www.MarissaFayCohen.com backslash private-coaching. Marissa would love to develop a made-for-you healing plan to heal from emotional abuse. She does all the work and you just show up. Stop feeling stuck, alone, and hurt and live a free, confident, and peaceful life. Don't forget to subscribe to the Healing from Emotional Abuse podcast and follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com/marissafcohen and Instagram at marissa.fay.cohen. We'd love to see you there.